Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. So we don't define the truth about what we like, what we think is best, even what we think is best religiously, necessarily. What are bringing the most people to the church? That's not how we define the truth. We define the truth by the word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. So the word of God has to decide what we're going to believe, teach, and practice in religion. It's our sole authority. Nothing else can even help decide. The Bible tells us everything we need to know. All scriptures give my inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. The scripture is the thing and the only thing that's profitable for doctrine. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Call us at 877-655-6755. While we're waiting on our first call, let's continue with what we were talking about last week. We were showing from the scriptures that the majority is usually wrong. For example, we read Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. This is Jesus speaking here. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Now knowing this passage is teaching us that almost everybody is going to be going the the broad way, the way that leadeth to destruction, but only a very few are going to find this narrow way, the way that leads into life. That should tell us we're probably going to have to be diligent in our service to God because only a few are going to be saved. All of these people out here just serving God halfway, you know, go to church when they don't have anything else to do, kind of like that, but not putting him first. That's the broad way. Only a few are going to find the narrow way. The majority are taking the broad way that leads to destruction. The very small minority, relatively speaking, is taking the narrow way, the way which leads to life. Remember First Peter 3, we read, which sometime were dis- disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. In those days of the Noah's flood, There were perhaps millions of people on the earth at that time, but only eight people ended up being saved physically. Only eight people believe what God said. Noah preached for many years and nobody believed him. They all died in the flood. They all perished except eight, Noah's family. Very few people compared to to the whole. The majority was wrong. Remember when the 10 spies, the 12 spies were sent in. Ten of them came back into the uh, land of of Canaan. Ten of them came back and said, the people are too strong. We can't take the land. Only two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, came back and said, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, and we can take it because God will be on our side. Only two of the 12 thought they could take it with God's help. Again, the majority was wrong in all three of these cases. The majority is usually wrong. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 
5.5. Let's pick up with where we left off last week. The majority agree with Andrew Farley, who's also on CR6M Radio, on divorce and remarriage. Here's what I found on his website. Because people had told me what he was preaching, and it was totally contrary to what the Word of God says. It's just watering it down so that we can live any old way we want to and still consider ourselves to be Christians. That's what Mr. Farley preaches. Here's what he said about divorce and remarriage. And I quote from his website, Some Christians believe God forbids remarriage after divorce. However, this is not an accurate view of the whole of Scripture. (laughs) Some Christian leaders teach that if we are divorced and get remarried, we are perpetual adulterers in God's eyes. The gospel directly contradicts this idea. What he says that's not an accurate view or the gospel contradicts is exactly what the Bible says. Clear as a bell, and it's Jesus that says it. In Matthew 19, 9, for example, Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, commiteth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Mr. Farley says some Christians believe God forbids remarriage after divorce, but that's not an accurate view of Scripture. Well, this is exactly what Jesus says. If you divorce, unless it's for adultery, unless unless it's because your spouse cheated on you, and you remarry, that's adultery. So Jesus does forbid remarriage after divorce. That's exactly what he says. Of course, we have people that aren't willing to accept that. That's for sure, because they want to have their sexual freedom. That's the majority. The majority are not going to accept what Jesus says here. The majority is usually wrong. In Mark chapter 6, now, I want to be fair here. The Old Testament law was still binding at this point. Secular history tells us that Herod had divorced his wife. Herodias had divorced her husband. Now Herod's married to Herodias, and John the Baptist confronts them. Here's verse 17 and 18 of that chapter. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Now when John the Baptist told Herod, It's not lawful for you to have your haver, Herodias, wasn't he saying he needed to terminate that relationship, that marriage? Exactly what Andrew Farley says the Bible doesn't teach. Because <laughs> Andrew Farley and people like that are tr- want to tell you what you want to hear instead of what the Bible actually says. Ben from Seattle, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Pastor. Um, so in church today, we uh, we're discussing um, one John um, two fifteen. Um, and it, it says, um, you know, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. Um, so I've just kind of been meditating on that scripture today. And I I just was wondering if you could elaborate on that. Because to me, it's a little confusing. I, I, I think I get what it means, but at the same time, you know, God created the world, you know, we love his creation. Um, we're supposed to love people, even people that are still in Adam. Um, you know, I know we're, we're in this world, but we're not of it, but to not love things in the world or the father's not in you. I just, could you please elaborate on that scripture? And maybe I think you're getting at the right idea. Verse 16 says for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He's, when it says don't love the world, it's not talking about don't love this globe that we're on. Don't love nature. Don't love trees. It's talking about the sins of the world. Okay? Yeah. That's what it's talking about. Yeah. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Like, think of Adam and Eve. They loved what, you know, the, the, the sin, the opportunity to sin more than they love God. So it's not talking about don't love the people of the world in the sense that you don't care for them, that you don't want what's best for them. It's talking about don't love the worldly lifestyle. Don't love the sins of the world. I think you are, I think you got it, Ben. I think that's what it's talking about. We can't love, yeah. we can't love, uh, we can't love, uh, cheating on her wife. We can't love looking at pornography. We can't love cussing and, and getting drunk. We, we have to love the Lord and put Him first above all the sin and above all the deception and everything else. Any further comment, yeah. Ben? No, that's good. Hallelujah. I, I, I think, I think you're right. I was on the right track, but I, I just needed a little, a little more uh, wisdom on it. So I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. All right, thank you, Ben. All right, take care. Bye. All right, bye. One other passage on this divorce and remarriage thing. Because Mr. Farley says, oh, the gospel contradicts the idea that if you get divorced and remarried, you're a perpetual adulterer in God's eyes. Well, that's exactly what Romans 7, 2, and 3 says. Let me read that. For the woman which hath an husband is bound, think obligated there, bound by the law to her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So that if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So that's exactly what the scripture says. If a woman, for example, divorces her husband because she, quote, doesn't love him anymore and marries another. This passage says as long as that original husband is still alive. She's living in adultery with that second marriage. She's cheating on that original husband. She's a perpetual adulterer, according to Matthew 19, 9, Romans 7, 2, and 3. Of course, people like Mr. Farley, Andrew Farley, are going to tell you, no, the Bible doesn't teach that. But, of course, the Bible does teach it. But they want to tell you what you want to hear instead of what the Bible actually says. Darren from Missouri, you need to turn your radio down or we're going to cause, it's going to cause confusion. All right. Turn your radio all the way down and then give me your Bible question or comment, Darren from Missouri. All right. So in Matthew 7, I believe it's verses 21 through 23, 24 in there. Right. Uh, Jesus says, you know, there's going to be many, you know, that, They've done all these things in his name, and he's going to say in that on that day, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. And I'm just curious, where it says lawlessness, if you really dig into that word, the root word of it, that's the same word for lawlessness as the law that was supposedly done away with. And that, that really confuses, you know, me, I'm, if we're, not under okay. the law, but so. Well, my version says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So lawlessness is when you violate God's law. Remember 1 John 3, 4, Darren, sin is the transgression of the law, God's law. Now, if you live during Old Testament times as a Jew, that would be the law that 
has been nailed to the cross, Colossians 2. But before it was nailed to the cross, the Jews were under that law. And if they violated that law, that was lawlessness or iniquity. They were violating God's law. Now we're under the law of Christ. That old law has been done away with. I mean, I'm not the one that wrote that Jesus nailed it to the cross. I'm not the one that wrote that we're not under it in Galatians 23, 24, and 25. So lawlessness now would be transgressing the New Testament law, the law of Christ. So just because we're not under the Old Testament law doesn't mean we're free to live willy-nilly. No, we have actually a stricter law that we live under now. Christ's law is even stricter than that Old Testament law, and we have to obey it. It takes more than just believing in Christ. You have to obey Christ. Darren, any follow-up? Yeah, I, I agree. That's. Uh, I was just curious on there because I've, you know, I've studied that root word. It's the same word, you know, when you study it out in the, you know, the original text. That same root word. Um, but as Darren, I agree. Jesus said, "Yes, thank you, Darren. Thank you for your call." Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, "If you love me, keep my commandments, not the Old Testament commandments, not the Moses' commandments, His commandments." Keep If you love Jesus, you keep his commandments. That's the law of Christ, Matthew okay. through Revelation. Shelba from Alabama, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, I'm just clarifying what you said earlier about marriage and divorce. So if my husband has an affair and, and then we divorce, I can remarry. I can remarry, correct? If your husband had an affair, did you divorce your husband because he was having that yes. affair? Yes. yes. Then so you're allowed divorced. to remarry, according to Matthew 19.9, because it says, Whoever puts away correct. their wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. Implying that if you divorce your spouse for fornication, because they cheated on you, then that divorce is okay, and you're able to remarry. That's what Matthew 19.9 implies. You're right, Shelba. All right. I'm just making sure you got that, that straight. All right, thank you. Thank you for your call, Shelba. But, you know, the majority is usually wrong. And nowadays, I'm guessing about 95% of churches, 95% of churches across America have watered down the gospel like we saw that Andrew Farley has, that you can just divorce and remarry and divorce and remarry and God's just going to accept anything, no matter why you divorce. Why do they preach that? Because they want to get the numbers pulled into their churches. And they know if they do like John the Baptist and preach, it's not lawful for you to have her, then people are going to get mad. Herodias got so mad, she had John the Baptist's head cut off. But, of course, people like Andrew Farley and 95% of the other preachers out there aren't willing to preach the truth and stand for the truth on divorce and remarriage because they're going to lose a few members from their church and a little bit of contribution. But John the Baptist was willing to say it's not lawful for you to have her. You have to terminate that marriage because it's an unlawful marriage. And he lost his head. His head was chopped off because of it. Not too many people with that kind of courage today. They're not willing to stand for the truth. The majority on this, 95% of the churches are dead wrong on this. They've compromised. If you go back 100 years ago, all of those churches stood for the truth on this. If you divorce and remarriage, remarry, you got to get out of that marriage. Go back to your original spouse to be right with God. But over the last 100 years, 95% of the churches have compromised this and just say, oh, you divorce and remarry. That, that's, uh, you know, that's regrettable, but just stay in this marriage. Even though Jesus calls it adultery, it's okay for you to stay in it. I'm, I'm sure that if Jesus were alive today and he taught what he taught, 
the people who claimed to be Christians would crucify him again because he would preach so clearly against their false doctrines. Steve from Colorado, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Brother Pat, how's it going this evening? Hey, Mr. Steve. Um, <laughs> Looking forward to our uh, study just, tomorrow night. Exactly. That's kind of re- the reason for my call. Uh, but actually, to be honest, I just kind of want to piggyback on what you're so- talking about. And something I also heard earlier today, um, you know, in church, um, you know, we have to be like the Bereans and search the scriptures and not just go based on what people say we you know first john chapter 4 verse 1 says to test every spirit that it be of god and so we can't on these subjects you know we got the bible also says let god be true and every man a liar so you know no matter what we have been taught even in our churches we must still search the scriptures that's why paul told timothy to study to show thyself approved you know, we must study ourselves. We cannot. Uh, and also today at church, we, we you know, we're in First John uh, chapter 2, verse, uh, what, 27, I think it is. You need not a man to teach you for the anointing in which I have given you will teach you of all things and all things that are true. So we must rely on the word of God to seek, in, you know, to, to sink in us and to, you know, clarify everything for us. You know, we need the Holy Spirit to clarify everything for us. Um, I just wanted to piggyback on that. But also, if anybody listening has, you know, has time throughout their week to have a one-hour Bible study with the Brother Pat, I recommend it. I've been doing it for over a year now. And uh, me, my mom, and my aunt, we have been doing it for over a year. And, and, and they've just been a blessing, you know. And the Bible calls us to do that. We must study the Scriptures. So, you know, if you have that time in your day throughout the week, sometimes throughout the week just for an hour, you know, I recommend you guys setting yourselves up with the Bible study with the brother. But that's it, brother. That's all I had. Appreciate your thoughts and appreciate you encouraging others to do the same thing we've been doing for about a year. I've been enjoying our Bible studies with you and your mom and your aunt. And uh, just wish we could meet face to face someday. Amen. Yep. I hope so. All right. You, you have a good night, brother. We'll plan to talk to you tomorrow evening. Goodbye. Thanks for your call, Steve. Steve's bringing something up I should I should mention. I always do at the end of the program. Steve uh, uh, was a caller to this program, say, about a year ago, and we started having a one-hour phone Bible study every week. It's totally free of charge. I'm willing to do that with you. If you would like to study with me when it's convenient for you, over the phone, willing to do that. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877 877- Six five five six seven five five. The majority is usually wrong. The majority teach salvation is by faith alone, faith alone, or faith only. For example, the Methodist Creed book says, "Wherefore that we are justified by faith only is the most wholesome doctrine, very full of comfort." The Standard Manual for Baptist churches says, "We believe the Scriptures teach the gift of eternal life is bestowed solely through faith." In Christ, So the majority is teaching salvation by faith only, but James 2.24, the Bible says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So the Methodist church says you're justified by faith only. The Baptist church says basically the same thing, but the Bible says you're justified by works and not by faith only. The majority is usually wrong. Hebrews 5.9 says this, and being made perfect, he, talking about Christ, 
became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So you have to do more than have faith. You have to obey Christ to receive eternal salvation. Matthew 7, 21, which one of our callers just referred to. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. It takes more than just belief. Belief is very important. But you also have to repent of your sins. You also have to obey the will of the Father, according to this verse, to be saved. It's not faith only. It's trust and obey, just like the famous hymn says. How about the first part of 1 Peter 1, 22? Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth. If you want to be purified from your sins, you have to obey the truth. Not just obey anything, but you have to obey the truth. Revelation twenty two fourteen. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates to the city. Talking about heaven. We're the tree of life. We'll be in heaven, partaking of the tree of life. We can live spiritually forever. But who has the right to go there? Not just those that believe. It says those that do his commandments. Salvation is not by faith only. The majority of the preachers out there, out there will tell you salvation by faith only. But that contradicts the Bible right and left, going and coming. Why do they do that? Because they want to have it to where they can live the way they want to live and still be saved. Instead of living the way God says you have to live in order to be saved by the death of Christ. One other point. The majority, and I'm told it's 75% of the churches out there. The majority teach it's okay for women to preach in the pulpit. The majority teach that. They allow women, the majority of churches allow women to preach from the pulpit. But notice this passage, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. Let your women keep silence in the churches. For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, lest them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. How can 75% of the churches out there allow women preachers when the Bible says women are to keep silence in the church? It's not permitted unto them to speak, and it's a shame for women to speak in the church. How can it be? Because those churches don't care what the Bible says. They're following what they want to do, what they think is best, what will bring in the most people. And it's likely you're worshiping with one of those churches. You need to think about getting out of that church if they're going to use have that kind of attitude toward the scriptures. How about 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12? Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not or allow not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man but to be in silence. 75% of congregations out there, I'm told, just completely ignore these passages and allow women to preach from the pulpit. Why do they do it? Why are they? They're just playing games with the word of God. They're playing church because they're going to church, but they're not following God's word. Got to go off the air in a little bit, a little bit. I saw a meme on Facebook recently that said the following. Always remember, the crowd chose Barabbas, not because they loved him, but because they hated the truth. There were there was Jesus and two thieves on there, and they were going to release one of them. The crowd chose Barabbas, a thief, instead of choosing Jesus to let him go free. Why did the crowd choose Barabbas to go free and not Jesus? It's not because they loved Barabbas, but because they hated Jesus and the truth. Why did the majority of Jewish leaders hate Jesus and hate the truth he taught so they are his brethren, his Jewish brethren. Why did they love him and accept him? Because Jesus persisted in putting the pressure of Scripture 
on the religious leaders of his brotherhood, even after they tried to counteract such with personal attacks, John 9, 34. Now, the same thing occurs in our modern-day brotherhood. Nobody's going to hate you as long as you don't preach on something they are off on, as long as you don't step on their toes. But Amos 5.10 helps us focus in on what's going on here. They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. Jesus rebuked in the gate and spoke uprightly, and they hated him. And if we do that today, if we rebuke in the gate and abhor that which speaketh uprightly, we'll be hated too. The majority is usually wrong, and they hate the minority who are going to speak the truth. If you'd like that free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Call or text me at 256-682-9753.